is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, welcome to Friday, the 19th of May's Teachers Talk Radio, with me, Maxine House, as we start to talk all things resilience. What does resilience mean to you? What increases your resilience and what has affected This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, wonderful to see a few of you join us already this evening. Um, sounding like I have an odd little bit of a lag. I hope you're hearing me okay. I'm just going to, to change that over. So, welcome to Teachers Talk Radio, Friday night twilight show on the 19th of May. And following on and continuing the well-being theme and personal growth, where we've talked well-being, we've talked barriers this evening, we're moving on to talk all things resilience what does resilience mean to you and resilience to me is something that's really important and to us in the world of education because like the title says it is a tough gig whatever your job in education whether you're a teacher whether you're at the chalk face there is a teacher whether you're a head whether you're a leader whether you are a teaching assistant whether you're joining working in on the playground or coming in to volunteer as a governor or helping at some point it's a tough gig working in schools these days is is really challenging and so this whole idea of resilience is really really important in my opinion so this evening, I'm really excited to be able to say that we should be being joined by a couple of really exciting guests. First up, um, in about 15 minutes, we should be joined by Emma. Emma is an English teacher in a secondary school. And one of those secondary schools that is, it, it is pretty wonderful and it, it serves an absolutely fantastic community. But it's faced some challenges it's been through some major changes had a huge turnover of school leaders and would probably come in that bracket that you would describe as a challenging school um so it'll be really fascinating to talk to emma and hear about some of the challenges that she's faced and what she's found maybe has dented her resilience a little bit but what has she been able to do to build her resilience? What's what's helped her and what, what's kept her going and thriving and loving her job? And, and there with that opinion that teaching is, whilst it's so challenging and as corny as it sounds, is still the best job in the world. And then later on, um, we're going to be joined again by another teacher. Um, and someone who definitely sees herself as a teacher. And while she sits in the head teacher role, um, still likes to go out and um, build relationships with the students in her school and to speak to them and to know them by name and to get in there and teach lessons, but also to lead her school as a head teacher. And Zoe's school is currently a middle school. Um, those of you that aren't familiar with that, as the whole world really is primary and secondary, middle schools span those 
two phases with the last two years of primary years five and six and the first two years of secondary and is currently um, on a journey or somewhere quite close to the beginning of the journey and I hope Zoe can talk us a little bit more through that of transition into secondary so again some of the brackets that you would describe as challenging school certainly some of the challenges of education so maybe she'll be able to talk to us I'm hoping about her own resilience and the other thing I'd also love to hear about and I, I'm sure both of these two will talk us through it as well but what are we doing and what are our teachers doing and what can our teachers do to also build resilience in the children and young people who come to our schools so fascinating stuff there to think all about resilience and look forward to hearing from those two people as well later on tonight so as we start thinking about resilience let's have a little look of what resilience is and um, that, that will lead us on to I think in education why it's important so I hear the word resilience come up a lot and it comes up a lot in coaching it comes up in a lot a lot in conversations with other educators and, and any meeting that you go to any group of teachers the word resilience I just hear it bandied around a lot Sometimes I hear people say, particularly when I'm working with younger teachers, I hear them say, oh, well, I just know I need to be more resilient. And I find that really interesting to think about that idea of just becoming more resilient as if it's some, some magic that can happen. And I think it's important to unpick that and try and see what is it that resilience means and, and why is it that it's important? So whole idea of resilience goes back to broadly around the 1970s it was talked about in in research very much and was seen very much back then as, as a personal quality something that was fixed that we either have or we don't have and um, the word was used very much linked to studies about vulnerable children and those that did better than they'd been expected to those who those who did really really well were deemed to be more resilient fast forward to um, 2012 fast forward to, to the current century and the American Psychological Association are defining resilience as the process and outcome of successfully adapting to difficult or challenging life experiences especially through mental emotional behavioral flexibility and adjustment to external and internal demands so let's just unpick that a little bit so it's about going through difficult or challenging experiences, something really tough happening. And being able to get through that because of a degree of flexibility. And that flexibility can be in our thinking, our mental flexibility. It's a little bit about having that emotional resilience and also thinking about how our behaviours, about how we'll adapt to those changes and those huge challenges that we might be facing. And that definition really sees resilience much more as a process it's something that's not fixed it suggests that it's something that we can build and develop and i think that's the really good news for us as educators and as us as teachers because yes it is a tough gig yes it is hugely challenging and i think this news that resilience is or this research belief that resilience is something that we can grow and something we can develop is hugely positive and I think it's just about 
having that reflection, pausing, stopping and thinking, what can we do and what is it that makes us a little bit more resilient? So resilient people still go through all of those difficult emotions. They still feel sad. They still feel stressed. They still feel and they, they you know, challenges that they're facing are, are still as real and, and as acute. But their resilience enables them to get through it, enables them to keep going, keep making progress, persevering, continuing. And, and really crucially, the big thing about resilience is that whole phoenix from the flames thing, that, that resilience can also mean that someone goes through a huge challenge, really, really big challenge. And actually, due to the resilience, due to the fact that they are persevering, some of the things that are helping them, supporting them to be more resilient, they actually mean that they come through that with learning and with growth. So without entering the realms of toxic positivity, without that whole, or at least, or at least look at the positive, look on the bright side, which is, I think when we're talking about positive thinking, which is a key part of resilience, I think it's really important that we don't get confused with that idea of toxic positivity and you know, look and positive thinking. They're very, very different. Um, positive thinking is, is much more based in reality and what's actually happening and seeing the positive side of that rather than banning any of the, the emotions or the thoughts that we think are negative. But that whole thought about positivity is hugely, hugely powerful and that that growth that can come through there. So I really look forward to hearing from our guests about some of those ideas of what what has made them more resilient. So on to why we need to be more well, why resilience is important and, and why for us as teachers and, and as educators, why it's why it's needed. Well, I don't need to sit here um, as we're coming up. I guess a lots of you are a week away from half term. You're, you're all here on a Friday at the moment at the end of, of a long week in SAT season and, and the start of GCSE season, whichever phase you're in. And I started to talk to you about challenges because you're there you you know you're feeling those challenges you know it's tough you know that there are pressures in in exam results and in an ideal world would some of those pressures dissipate a little would those pressures be less acute would we have much more in the realms of of high challenge and and low threat and not quite facing that quite so um quite so abruptly as as we really are and then another of those resilience testers and I, I wonder if either of our guests will, will bring this up today but but Ofsted um, and it was really interesting this week I was at um, at the um, schools and academies show at, at Excel and heard um, Ofsted national director speaking and again I think it's pretty brave to put yourself in front of a room full of teachers when you are, are there from Ofsted and not um, the most popular group at the moment. And I think many teachers, I don't think there are many that haven't, and certainly many school leaders have really felt at the sharp end of, of stress and, and have had their resilience tested by Ofsted. And Ofsted's something at the moment that there's a huge call for change, but is that change coming? 
So big questions asked about whether the single um, word judgments were going to go and a whole load of explanation about how the single word judgments aren't important. And, and there's actually all this this prose that's really important and we should be focusing on those. And, and I'm really kicking myself for not asking this follow up question about, well, with all of that benefit of everything else that's there, why why have the single word judgments then? It was it was really interesting. He he almost talked out of the need for the single word judgment in his his explanation that was was justifying why they were being kept. Anyway, that that was my opinion of that, and it it doesn't look like like change is coming anytime desperately soon. So again, um, not not something that's that's on the the horizon very soon. So. If it doesn't, if we do still have Ofsted, if we do have exam challenges and we do as teachers have some of those other challenges too around student behaviour. And I know this varies enormously between schools. Um, I know there are many schools for whom working in in the classroom is is really straightforward. There are strong systems and structures and processes and strong senior leaders making classroom teachers job one that is really workable and based on strong relationships. But we do know that a, a bit like the video that was posted on, on Twitter a while ago with the, the reality of, of what a teacher's day might be, we do know that there are also many, many schools where teachers go in they go in to teach they've planned prepared a lesson all sorted it's going to be wonderful they've got this whole host of learning and before they've even started that has come unstuck because there is a student there who's not in the right place for that learning and and is is challenging and what a what a challenge for for teachers to face that as well and and what a huge need for an immense amount of resilience so it's a tough gig. It's a tough gig. Even if we had this edutopia where edutopia where, where teachers were applauded in the street, where the press was just continually full of praise for the teaching profession, where parents were continually supportive of school, where children behaved amazingly well, where the inspectorate was really supportive and, and, and just came and looked and had a discussion about strengths and areas for development, came back and checked in, where exam results were, were a bonus, where we worked together to help children to do the best, because that's important, but, but there wasn't any immense pressure about that, where there was high challenge and low threat. In that edutopia, maybe, maybe we'd have less call for resilience, but we are a little way away from that particular edutopia in my opinion and you know do do um challenge if that's not your experience if you are finding anything different if you think it is an edutopia and there's no need for resilience have i got this completely wrong i don't think so because i think like the title of the show says resilience is important because it's a tough gig Okay, right. I think there might be my first guest, lovely Emma, due to join us any time now. And I'm just waiting to see if I have a message for her and if, if she's here. 
I can't see her at the moment. So I'm just going to keep going for a little while. And, um, and when she's when she's ready, when um, when she's here and she's managed to attach herself into Podbean and join, hopefully um, she'll be able to join us and we can then then have a chat. Anybody else who, who's on here who wanted to call in, if you've got something that you want to add about resilience, you're really welcome to. Ah, oh, brilliant. Paul, I've got a really nice comment here. Super comment from Paul. We have a problem with teachers, teachers trying to teach okay and things not being in their place like sexual orientation so there's some some interesting some different challenges there uh, paul that that pupils and that teachers face okay right so again huge challenges huge challenges for teachers and if any what any teachers are facing things like homophobia racism and, and any other discrimination at all what another angle of, of huge challenges for teachers to be facing. It's really, really difficult. And again, fantastic, fantastic occupation. We all, that's why we're all still here. That's why we haven't, particularly those of us that were at the um, schools and academies show, we haven't haven't sloped off um, and, and joined accountancy firms. But really really important we've stayed there with teaching because we, we've got faith in it so if we are going to work on our resilience what are some of the things that we're going to do i'm going to have a look at one particular thing that we can have a look at if we need to work on our resilience so yet yeah, we know in an ideal world maybe we wouldn't need to do all of this but we would still have other challenges, even if our classroom life was sorted. So thinking about our resilience, point number one is about self-awareness. So one of the things that people who struggle with resilience tend to find is a problem is they can sometimes be less self-aware. I think I can see our speaker joining us. They're not quite sure what is happening. If we know about if we've got the courage to actually look in the mirror and look at ourselves, know what it is that presents us with challenges, know what it is that makes us feel upset, know what it is that helps us to then get through that, then that can really increase our levels of resilience. If we turn to our inner world, building self-awareness, thinking about what it is that's helpful for us, thinking about some of those thought patterns sometimes. So again, if we go to, to pupil behaviour, and this, this is one, it's, it's not right when students behave badly. Absolutely not right when students behave badly. And it's not right when students disrupt behaviour. And sometimes as teachers, we can assume that those students are misbehaving because they, they've got it absolutely in for us. And in some cases, there, there are, it is absolutely, totally, totally correct. And I think sometimes students do have issues with particular teachers, but sometimes it's really not personal. It is about students struggling with, not willing to accept that level of authority, not being able to access learning, something that's happened earlier on in the day 
And as teachers, that self-awareness to know that that's not about us as human beings can sometimes really help us to be a little bit more resilient. Now, that's not saying that any of that poor behaviour is okay. The other thing about self-awareness sometimes, and this whole link between our, or just understanding what it is that we find really difficult that can help, and, and knowing about this, is if we know that we're always going to find it really, really difficult when we get any feedback that's not going to be positive, then if we know that's the case about us, then we can do something about it. We can make sure that we are set up for receiving that feedback properly when we know that that's going to come. If we, if we know about that, the more things we know about ourselves and about the situations that we're in and how they're going to affect us, then the better that we are going to be. So I'm just going to take a pause there just for a moment, just to play something briefly from one of our advertisers. Bear with me just for a moment. This programme has been brought to you by The Happy Confident Company. Our clinically approved, ready-to-go wellbeing and mental health programme will help your pupils thrive. In only 10 minutes a day, you'll be able to deliver social and emotional learning and wellbeing tools throughout your school. To find out more, visit us at www.happyconfident.com. Okay, so fascinating there. Our sponsor, all about well-being for students and about a programme that you can put in place for students. Really interested to hear any of your thoughts as well, not just about how we as teachers can boost our own well-being um, but, and our own resilience. But what can we also do for students and their resilience as well? Because again, more resilient learners definitely achieve better. OK, so next one, point two. Let's have a have a little think about about the next point, about how we can improve our resilience. So if we can, we talk first of all about self-awareness, about knowing some of the things that trigger us, about knowing some of the things that will upset us, about taking that view about knowing actually that some things aren't personal for us, that, that little bit of self-awareness. The next point is about taking a balanced, optimistic view and trying to have a focus on positive thinking. Right, and here's where being positive doesn't mean toxic positivity. So taking an optimistic view of a situation, thinking, for example, about Ofsted coming in to see your your lesson and, and I know it's not the hour-long lessons anymore where any teacher is required to put on a big show I know it is a walkthrough but even so these people are coming into your room or, or imagine that it is a deep dive into the subject that you lead and, and my goodness if you're leading a subject in secondary you're probably paid to do it if you're leading a subject in primary you may well not be so again, we know that that's really, really difficult. So again, being what we describe as a realistic optimist means actually thinking about the optimistic views and the slightly pessimistic views and taking a little bit of a balance there, trying to think about whether you can examine the facts as well. 
So again, thinking about what it is that you've got to talk about, about your subject. And a realistic optimist pays close attention to any negative information. So anything that you know you're not sure about, anything where you know you're not totally confident, that's potentially going to be a little bit of negative information. That's going to be something that, that is there that you, you are going to need to be aware of and not just sort of drift through thinking everything's wonderful. However, a realistic optimist would probably think about all the things that they actually do know. Think about all the things that you know are great. And most of us, actually, I think if we look and we're really honest, can see so many things in our schools or the subjects that we lead that we are really proud of. And again, thinking about other situations like that, thinking about what are the positives? What are the good things? What might happen if you're thinking optimistically? So I might show this information and, and it actually might be well received. It might be a good chance to really show what I can do. Again, that's that realistic optimist, finding a balance and thinking flexibly, not letting themselves fall into a trap of thinking it's all doom and gloom and everything's, everything's going to go terribly. And again, that's such a huge such a huge thing to think. Again, unlike pessimists, realistic optimists, while they do pay attention to some of that negative information, they don't then get caught up on it. And they do instead think about potential positive outcomes. They think about what's good and what could happen and how that might work. Another really interesting thing that you can do and another thing about how you can boost your resilience is to look from different perspectives. So, again, really stressful situation. It can be really hard to do this when, say, for example, it's a parent that is being really, really difficult. And it's it's really easy to take that personally, because quite often parents do come in and speak to teachers and they are absolutely fired up because it's their child that they are really really upset about something if we can be flexible thinkers and this is asking a really big thing and i have to do a full disclaimer to say that this is something that i find really really difficult but can you look at that from different perspectives and and just think about how other people might be viewing this are they necessarily judging you negatively or might they be actually just really interested in what's happening with their child? How can you look at that from different perspectives? Again, all things that don't make the difficult stuff go away. They don't make it suddenly easy. They don't mean that stress just suddenly vanishes. But they do mean that we're resilient and that we can keep coming through. Another really important thing is about looking for the facts, looking for what's actually true, what 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 are actual real things as opposed to what might be things that we're just assuming. And again, that's really important as well, looking and thinking about what what's true and what's actually real, because quite often when we're feeling really stressed about something and we're really, really up against it we can make all manner of assumptions and sometimes what our brain then does when we've made those assumptions and they they can run away and be quite negative things 
we then start to look for evidence to back up those assumptions, which, which starts to reinforce our potentially inaccurate views. So really good questions that, that we can ask ourselves or we can ask each other. Some really simple but strong, effective questions are, well, how true is that? What, what are the facts? How do you know? And that can all help us check for facts and what is facts and what's assumption. And, and the thing to be aware of, and this is that self-awareness, but this is self-awareness for everybody, is that our negative bias makes negative assumptions more common than positive ones. So you, you know what it's like. You'll, you'll always see this with, with other people when you've got something right 10 times and got it wrong once and they, they focus in on that. And again, when you've been at parents evening and you've, you've talked all night and you've said a million things that are really positive and have have landed really well. And you, you know, you're proud of those. You'll know you're really pleased that you said them. And then there's that one thing that you think, oh, my goodness, I wish I'd never said that. A negative bias makes us focus on those negatives. It's just one of those things. It's just something that happens. And. I think it's really important, therefore, when we are questioning whether something's fact or whether it's an assumption, to also be aware that those negative assumptions are more common than positive ones. And again, as teachers, we if we're reflective and the way that we, you know, we're always reflective on our lessons, it's really helpful sometimes to be reflective like that on our thinking. And that brings us next to thinking about something else that can really help our resilience. And that that's our support network. That, that's the people in our lives. Those people when we're when we're really struggling, who are the people that can help us? We know that they we are still going to feel those difficult emotions. We're still going to be sad. We're still going to be stressed. We're still going to be upset, distraught. We're still going to potentially feel rejected hurt but if we've got a strong support network that's a really key factor in, in increasing resilience and and it does it in a number of different ways does it because we will hopefully be surrounding ourselves in people that help us to get through now Helpful people who help us to get through aren't assuming that we're totally competent and diving in to rescue us and bombarding us with advice and um, or or just justifying why we think everything's difficult. They're not they're not going to be people who are who are rescuing who are running in with a superhero coat coat uh, cape on. The the people that we really want helping us are people who are acting in. That, that support manner who are who are challenging us and challenge in our thinking and also asking us questions like how true is that how how true is how true is it you know what which are facts which are opinions which are assumptions that that you've made there and and again having more people in our network who can do that sort of thing the better we're going to be and again the more resilient we're going to be um, the more interpersonal relationships we've got as well, the, the wider our vision on the world. And 
that changes the way we see the world and the way that we see ourselves. And then that idea of connection and, and support and our, our links with others are really crucial and, and really important in our developing our resilience. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what has dented your resilience. But most importantly, I'd love to hear what it is that's boosted your resilience. Um, I hope that one of you will, will join in, even call in and give us some thoughts on what has boosted your resilience. I'm going to come this to the This programme note. has been brought to you by The Happy Confident Company. Our clinically approved, ready-to-go, well-being and mental health programme will help your pupils thrive. In only 10 minutes a day, you'll be able to deliver social and emotional learning and well-being tools throughout your school. To find out more, visit us at www.happyconfident.com. This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio news sats have made the news again as many media outlets report on allegations that children were distraught after the reading paper the bbc website reports that parents and teachers of year six pupils said the paper was difficult and that it had left some pupils in tears in response to concerns, the Department for Education said it worked to ensure that all tests are appropriate. Whilst some parents took to social media to highlight concerns, a few also acknowledged that the tests might be good in a way to have some kind of tests before GCSE, but the schools in general are under too much pressure to perform well. Copies of the test paper cannot be published until all pupils in Year 6 have had the chance to take it. Sarah Hannafin, Head of Policy for the National Association of Head Teachers, said the union was very concerned about the paper and it would be raising concerns with the Standards and Testing Agency. In Scotland, Edinburgh University students have criticised the institution's response to a marking boycott. According to BBC News, students fear their work will not be read as the university plans to continue awarding degrees without necessary expertise to cope with the UK-wide industrial action. The marking boycott is part of the latest phase of industrial action by members of the University and College Union at 145 institutions across the UK. Union members are refusing to undertake marking duties and assessment-related work. In response, universities are considering a number of measures, including changing marking guidelines and basing final grades on work already submitted. Many students have expressed sympathy towards staff, but also frustration that industrial action has had little impact on anyone but students, as universities have not reopened negotiations. The University of Edinburgh said it has robust measures in place to reduce the impact of industrial action and that work, including dissertations, would be read. Schools Week comment on teacher burnout after a report from Wellbeing Service Education Support shows a quarter of leaders, teachers and support staff said additional responsibilities were adding an, on average four to six hours to their working week. 15% of staff said they were spending an extra seven to ten hours supporting pupils. The collapse in support services feeding into schools, including creaking mental health support and overwhelmed SEND services, has left schools and their staff struggling to cope. 
Jeff Barton, General Secretary of School Leaders Union ASCO, said schools had become the de facto and unofficial branch of social and healthcare services, but that a lack of training, resources or capacity was putting staff under considerable workload stress. The most common additional responsibilities included offering pupils and colleagues emotional support and dealing with difficult pupil behaviour. More than one quarter of staff surveyed said they had prepared food for pupils who didn't have any, and 41% said they had purchased supplies such as pens, paper and school bags. In the same YouGov survey, two-thirds of school staff said public bodies such as CAMS and social services had been unable to offer pupils support. Further details of the findings can be found on the Schools Week website. The Guardian reported on a proposal to recruit school leavers into healthcare service apprenticeships, which would allow tens of thousands of doctors and nurses to train on the job. The NHS workforce plan could see up to one in ten doctors and one third of student nurses train through this vocational path in coming years. The alternative route would circumvent the standard undergraduate or graduate route. The plans have been met with criticism by unions, but Amanda Pritchard, Chief Executive of NHS England, has been speaking to pupils at a northeast comprehensive school, where she encouraged pupils to earn while they learn, and highlighted the 350 different roles available within the NHS. Finally, in Wales, the BBC reports that the increasing cost of food means school caterers are struggling to deliver on the Welsh Government plan for universal free school meals. The unit price was set with an assumption about possible cost increases, but Education Minister Jeremy Miles said the world has obviously moved on and a further review was needed. The current rate of around £2.90 per child in a primary school is being described as no longer viable as price increases of 20% on items like milk, cheese, fruit and vegetables take their toll. The Universal Free School Meals Plan is being rolled out in phases to all primary schools, although a target for every child in reception year one and year two to be offered a free school meal by April has been missed. The policy has been welcomed, but challenges needed to be acknowledged. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I've been searching for crazy technology. The tech I found ranges from rather funny to actually quite useful. Let's see if I can blow your mind. Everyone has probably used Google Translate at some point, even if it's just to translate a word into another language and back again to see if it changes. Well, the Google Pixel earbuds paired with the Pixel phone allow you to switch on conversation mode. Now what is being said to you in a foreign language is translated into your earbuds in real time. What you say is translated and projected via your phone. You do need an Android 6.0 or higher to do this, but this has potential to be a game changer for communicating not only when traveling, but in hospitality too. Next up is a quirkier invention, Smarty Pans. There aren't many things you can't connect to an app, and the frying pan is now joining the club. The Smarty Pan has a built-in scale to where your food is you add it to the pan, a handle that tells you when the pan is at temperature, and the app guides you through how to cook a meal you're preparing. Also, the nutritional content of your meal is calculated by the app. There's no advertised price for this pan yet, but keep your eyes peeled. It replaces a cookbook, reading the nutrition on a packet, and your kitchen scales, as long as you fry everything. My final crazy technology is the Hush Me. This is an invention 
for those concerned about being overheard by others when talking on their phone or other connected devices. It works by muffling your voice so others can't hear you, keeping private conversations private. Genius, I hear you say. I need one so I can work during my commute. Before you break out the credit card, it is a rather chunky device you wrap around your whole head. I'd describe it as a pair of large headphones that connect to a cup to cover your mouth. At just over £180 and making you look like Darth Vader, you may want to do a bit of research first. Do you know of any crazy tech? Do you own any? As always, why not get in touch at TT Radio Official. I'm Steve Woods and that was 2 Minute Tech. 2 Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Wow, the news there was just t- totally talked about why we need so much resilience in this job, I and mean, that just threw up, didn't it? So many challenges that we face as as teachers on a on a daily basis. So again, the more that I look at and I think about this whole idea of resilience, the more you can just see how, how important it is. And, and again, building resilience, what can we do? So again, back to how we can build resilience. So if we think about resilience in the, the pupils that we teach, think about that reading paper. And yes, I've also heard of many stories of, um, of primary school children in, in some of the schools that I've, I've dropped into and helped this week who have said that, that children had actually been crying. And, and again, they tended to be children who were expecting to be able to finish the paper and expecting to be able to, to glide through it. And that, that was really interesting to me, thinking about, about children and do we give children enough chances to, to not necessarily get it right? And I, I wonder back about that. I wonder about the amount of pressure and the amount sometimes of expectation sometimes children feel, whether that's real or whether that's perceived to them. How clear and explicit do we need to be about this to show actually sometimes you won't finish something sometimes some things will be really hard and that's how life is and I've seen some schools doing that so superbly over the last few years actually giving children some really tough lessons in life I watched I watched, was really, really fortunate this week to be able to watch um, an early careers teacher teach who's in, in year four. And one of the things that I liked, and again, coming from a, a background where I've, I've taught mostly older ones early on in my career, it's been more recently I've, I've worked with younger ones, watching her manner with those young children. And she was really quite direct with them and really quite, quite matter of fact. But she absolutely believed that they could all do this maths. It was about finding area and she'd, she'd put some really lovely scaffolds in for some children still to be counting the squares where others were using the formula. And what really struck me was how getting it wrong, completely messing it up was totally OK. And how she'd tell them that they'd made a really good mistake and that was going to really help with our learning. And, and I really like that, those two things, that optimism, that real belief that they were going to be able to do it and they were going to get through. And they were all part of this team who were really, really upbeat about it. Tying that 
into her also and and it's just totally okay to get it wrong just made that work and and again it was it was a different teaching style to I've seen before with younger children and I just thought it was amazing and again what a privilege to be able to watch young teachers so anyway back to building resilience and and that there that that view I'd be really I'd really really love anybody else who's who's around who could either drop a message onto Twitter um, comment on my post about resilience and say and I'm um, at Maxine Coaching on Twitter if you'd like to comment on that that post and I can see what you think or um, on the Teacher Talk radio um, post or join us in here this evening and comment or I'd um, really love to talk to any of you. But again, any of your thoughts about building resilience, either in the children that we teach or, and, and even better, in us as teachers facing those enormous challenges that we're facing. So on to a few other thoughts about how we can really boost our resilience. So this goes back to something I've talked about quite a, quite a lot, and that, that more resilient people tend to have a clear sense of purpose. And the things that they're working to achieve, no matter how difficult they are, no matter how many knocks they get in those, they actually know why they're going in that direction. They know what that sense of purpose is. They know that their, their general direction is in line with their values. And, and I think this is where it can be difficult in teaching. If in the current education landscape, some of the things that are creating challenges, if some of those things like that massive drive about um, exam results, maybe, I mean, I think we agree we want children to do as, and students and young people to do as well as they can, but some of that high accountability, some of that, those Ofsted challenges, how do they sit with our, our values and our morals? And I think sometimes that's why it's difficult as well. But this whole idea about finding a sense of purpose and knowing why you're doing what you're doing will mean that you would be far less likely to be discouraged by your problems and more motivated to learn from the experiences where things are difficult and keep going. And again, things about having a sense of purpose. That again is about having a support system around you. And it is also about what it is you're doing and what it is that you're you're really trying to work towards. And that's why again I think that, that resilience and that's again part of school because we've got a strong values and purpose so again here's this one Claire thank you so much Claire one of my previous guests and and here um joining us with a comment so Jay, Claire from an AP for me moving job to work in a setting where the whole school values of purpose and my values are aligned has really helped my resilience so yes when it goes wrong you're really really aligned I feel like now I have a stable base to build on because I'm not fighting with myself anymore. There's not a mismatch in things I believe in and what's asked of me anymore. So, again, really interesting. And how many times does making the choices in life that are in line with your values? I mean, I have to say, going into the, the east of, of London, and, and going through the, the city, coming out through Canary Wharf and seeing those big accountancy companies. There's 
Yeah, I, I just, just made me reflect a little bit on the challenges that I've faced as a teacher, as a head, and, and I see my colleagues facing with me and I thought, would I have stayed as resilient and in it for that long with, with one of those big accountancy firms or banks? and Or would I perhaps not have had quite that sense of purpose? And I wonder about that. No, no criticism. If there, there's not ever get. Come on, let's be honest. There's no accountants or bankers listening to teachers talk radio. And uh, but, but if any of you have got friends who are bankers or accountants, absolutely no offence at all. But you know, I do think that actually maybe that's why as teachers we're we're still in it. And we're still learning and growing because of that really important sense of purpose. So again, other things that are good and help us with our resilience, um, it's being healthy and having a healthy lifestyle. That's huge. So again, I posted about about running and, and I'm going to be a bore about running and make no no apology for it. And I, I've been a real critic of, of runners throughout my life when I wasn't one. Um, and you know moaned about them, them being um, horrendous running bores but but running does a number of things for me in terms of helping my resilience that physical fitness and that knowing that there is there is an outlet and a, a place where I can go and have a real head clear um, that helps my resilience enormously um, and I've you know, I found that I found that knowing that at the end of a, a tough day, I can go for a run or even better. And, and sometimes slightly unusually, because I'm not a morning person, I can get up in the morning and, and have a run then as well. That that can set me up for the day. Or if I've got got a challenge and I'm, I'm quite fortunate now that I can work a little bit more flexibly and I can fit some of that outside time I'm not a treadmill person it has to be running outside and actually running to feel like I'm getting somewhere that, that's helpful and that's definitely about resilience and there's also quite a lot of research out there about mood and resilience and and coping and and what you eat and whether we like it or not um it is the healthy stuff it does make us feel better it it yeah it does it's uh, you know our five a day decent food it definitely helps with our, our resilience so a couple of other things that that boost and, and help resilience and I, again i would love to hear from you i'd love to hear what what you think got a couple of new people jumping and joining in there now which is fabulous to hear from you um what about some of the things like actually i guess links again to purpose but doing some that some stuff that actually serves your community and that helps you so so here's an interesting one one for me in serving the community i've become a school governor now as, as a head and as a teacher i always found working with governors extremely challenging which is why i thought i'm, I'm going to have a go and have a look at what it looks like from the other side but I do find that that gives me a good sense of purpose, that volunteering, giving giving my time and trying to do something that, that is positive. It's not all linked to pay. And I, I would imagine that other people, other Teachers Talk radio presenters also find that this is a real positive. Again, those that are actually part of the school community enjoy it. Go and do that challenging job and really really enjoy that little bit of creativity that comes with with doing the radio show and also start to um again 
be able to put something back and do something to help others. All things that help our resilience, all of those things. So again, fascinating. Can't wait to hear from you. Can't wait to hear what um, helps your resilience. So very, very soon, we're going to have Zoe joining us to talk about her resilience. What is it that helps her resilience? So she probably, I'm suspecting, talked to us about why she wasn't available at the beginning of the show and why she wants to talk later on. And I think that's probably quite resilience related. And and again, I think I hope she's going to share with us a few things maybe that have presented challenges to her resilience. But it's mostly that whole resilience stuff. What what makes you more resilient? So we'll be we'll be getting we'll be hearing from Zoe just in um, shortly. So again, some other things that can help us build our resilience. Having confidence in our abilities and believing that we can cope with the stresses in life can play a really important part in resilience. So again, sometimes we can assume and sometimes we can have this narrative about, well, I'm a resilient person or I'm not resilient. And I think sometimes those negative voices in our head, when we start telling ourselves, I can't do this, I can't get through, I can't see the next stage, I'm, I'm not a great teacher, I'm not good at my job. Those negative voices, it's sometimes it's really, really important to challenge those voices, those negative voices. So I've worked with lots of teachers who, who, have, who have said, well, made all sorts of assumptions about things that have meant they are a poor teacher or they can't cope or they are a poor head teacher and actually when you pick it down and it goes back to what i was saying before about about look at the facts look at this in perspective look at the number of people that are actually sharing and giving you that feedback how accurate is that feedback let's have a look quite often those negative voices in your head can be really, really damaging. And so many times, they're not actually based on fact. They're your assumptions. They're those bits of negative bias. They're where you hear the negative voices speaking up much more loudly. So really interesting, this view on the, the negative voices speak, speak loudest. Um, again, coming out of, coming out of school and, and remembering some of the, the some of the challenges, some of the feedback, some of the difficult messages. I can really remember getting caught up in that whole. I can't do this. I'm not very good at it. I'm not a great teacher. I'm not a good head. All those sorts of things. Whereas actually, if you can practice replacing those voices with positive ones, I can do this. I know I can do this. I've had this positive bit of feedback. Looking at that, using that and thinking about all the things you're good at, believing in your abilities, that's really important. And there's a lot of research that shows that self-esteem plays an important role in coping with stress and recovering from difficult events, which is just absolutely what resilience is about. Resilience is about coping with stress and recovering from difficult events. It's about being the phoenix from the flames, coming out the other side, even better. And if you can boost your self-esteem by reminding yourself of your strengths and your accomplishments, all of the things that you've done well, write them down, list them, be really, really clear about them. That is a huge 
help and that is a huge thing that can really help your resilience next we come on to embracing change oh my goodness many people hate change many people find change really difficult and it's sometimes quite helpful if you've got going back to the first thing that we said about self-awareness sometimes it can be helpful even if you know that you don't like change so you know that something is is causing you to have a wobble because it's change actually recognizing that and helping you to think how can i be more flexible how can i learn to be adaptable how can i look at any of those other things if you can be flexible if you have that flexibility if you know how to be more adaptable if you begin to look for the facts and go well okay this change is difficult i know i don't like change but if i look at the facts actually i can see there's some planning and preparation involved i can see that actually the facts are showing me there's a good chance it's going to be okay that's really really helpful so learning how to be more adaptable you'll be better equipped to respond when late when faced with a life crisis so if you know you understand how it was going to be difficult resilient people often use those events as a chance to actually branch out into new directions so one of the things that i always say is instead of instead of you know when when a wave is coming instead of being crashed by that wave think about it think how you can ride that wave and be a really really good surfer that's a key thing about resilience of course to be a good surfer you also need a surfboard and you need to know how to surf so again it is about knowing it's about thinking what can you do what's happened to you optimism always comes up and i mentioned it before not that toxic positivity but actually maintaining a hopeful outlook being realistic thinking about what are the positive things that can happen doesn't mean ignoring the problem but it does mean focusing thinking about positive outcomes being realistic and knowing that this storm shall pass that things will turn out all right and really crucial thinking about your own needs so the people who are the most resilient sometimes and and they may or may not be willing to admit this but i don't think there's any any shame at all in being a little bit selfish and, and self-care isn't actually self selfish so the things that you need to do in order to do your job well cope with the stresses what is it you need to do so again i'm really lucky to work with a fabulous ect who it feels embarrassed sometimes about going home at four o'clock and he's he's felt like he ought to be hanging around later whereas actually no just go home find some strategies so that children are self-marking sort out your planning nice and quickly go and have a nice evening have a lovely weekend away and come in bright-eyed and bushy-tailed to teach your your children the next morning that's doing them a better service than you working your fingers to the bone and again that whole thing about what what does nurturing and look af looking after yourself mean to you because we're all different and what helps me probably wouldn't help you so i would love to hear from you love 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 to hear from you so what i'm going to do i'm hoping that zoe's going to get ready and start to have a chat with us shortly because i'd love to hear from zoe about what she does for her resilience 
and starts to have a little bit of a chat with us. So, hello Zoe. Hello Maxine, it's lovely to talk to you. Oh, how nice to hear from you and how nice to speak to you. It it has been too long, so full full disclaimer, we are former colleagues and, and like some of my other guests, you're someone that I'm very fortunate to have known and to, to work with in the head teacher circuit. So thank you for joining us to talk all things resilience this evening. That's my pleasure, Maxine, my pleasure. It's a, to- it's a topic really close to my heart. Okay. Okay, so so for you, what what does resilience mean to you? What's what's the, your sort of key thoughts and definitions and meaning when you when you hear the word resilience? What what does that mean? Okay, so I I had a, an interesting entry into headship. I always I tend to say that I I got into headship by accident. It wasn't strictly mm-hmm. true. I was <laughs> I was deputy head in in a school and I hadn't been deputy for very long. I think just two terms when right. my head teacher. Um, went off sick, long term sick, okay. so and it was very sudden. He said he he you know he was there one day, and I said okay, see you tomorrow. And he said no, you won't. And I didn't ever see him again. Oh my goodness, baptism of fire. Yes, it was a bit. And what I realised um, very very soon. Sorry, that dog in the background. Um, what I what I realised really really early on in my acting headship was how vulnerable the school was. Mm-hmm. when the head yeah. had no clue what she was doing yeah. and 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 I was having to learn everything all at once I had no idea how to turn off the fire alarm that was hilarious when the fire oh alarm went off everyone looked at me I had no idea where the bubble was <laughs> um, and we had an Ofsted nine weeks after oh I became acting head where I had to say well I don't know what to hide or where to hide it and no. half the time the inspector was t- having to teach me how to find that report Goodness. or that sort of information and what it told me what it taught me was that the school was at its most vulnerable when the head had just suddenly disappeared like that yeah that, that made yeah. the school so vulnerable so yeah, I was different. really fortunate that that inspector was was, was so good with me if it had been the type of inspectors that I've come across since it wouldn't have been the same <laughs> <laughs> it would not have been the no same. so no. that taught me really early on in my headship a massive lesson about the importance of the head being healthy and sane and 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 able to make good judgments quickly and not in that place where you can't think and it happens to us all where yeah. you're so busy you can't think yeah. you can't focus you can't make a good decision and that's a really dangerous place for the school if you love your school you do not want to leave it there no. and, and so I was kind of in a really unlucky way very lucky to have learned that lesson straight away in my headship it you know slapped me around the face and um yeah and and what and i have therefore been i guess some people might say i'm i'm a little bit selfish about it but um i i i'm pretty disciplined about really looking after myself mm. because it's 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 horribly expensive for a school when the heads off sick as well like it costs yeah. a lot of money yes yeah. this, this is not good for a school's budget there's nothing good for the school if if the head is unable to function well it's dangerous no. so i am i do i put i put a lot of effort into making sure that I, I i do what you say that i turn up at school every morning full of enthusiasm 
I don't work till the middle of the night. I just don't do it. I won't do it. If it isn't finished, I'm not, that's it. It's not getting finished then. They'll have to wait. <laughs> what are they going to do? And, um, and yeah, and I, and I maintain an interest out of school that is um, all encompassing. I know originally you'd asked me to join you about sixes and I could. Yeah, I had you. <laughs> yeah, and I couldn't. I couldn't because at six o'clock on a Friday, I am only ever in one place and that is sat on my horse. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm still jumping at six o'clock so I can't well, and, <laughs> and quite right too. And again, Zoe, thank you so much for that. And I'm going to get you to talk a little bit more about some of that. So again, one of the reasons I asked you specifically to join us on resilience is because that's something that you have always shared and, and always held really, really close and, and very true for heads actually. It's important that they're in, in the right place. And modelling that school culture to all of your staff, I mean, presumably that you, you can see that it's really important for your um, year seven teachers and your year eight teachers. And, and, are, and are you still middle, Zoe, or have you, you morphed into to no. secondary yet? No, we're a middle school still. So. You're middle school. So your year five teachers and, and everybody who's there, for them to be doing the same so yeah. that they're, they're working hard, but they're working smart. And they're being well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. When I'm at school, I don't waste time. I work hard okay. because I I have to leave. I cannot be faffing around after school. Mm. Not, no, I, 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 he needs his dinner. Yes, yes, <laughs> totally. So um, you can't have an animal suffering because you haven't quite got your act together. So I, I have to leave and I leave. And that's what we do. And it means that I've got a really excellent way of just chilling out because on a beautiful evening like tonight, who wouldn't want to be, you know, clearing a couple of show jumps or going for a lovely wander around the countryside, which we do a lot. You know, it's perfect. But even in the dead of winter, I still I still do it. 5.30, 6-ish, I'm out the door and I'm going to go and ride my horse. That's what I'm doing. Goodness. Well, thank goodness for decent um, lighting. That's one of the things that, that I say to you there. And, and again, something else about the hobby, because, again, think about that, that interest. What is it about horses that makes them for you? And horses aren't going to be for everybody. So there will be many listeners who are listening this evening going, no, right, that interest I, I could do with something that gives me a, a boost to get out the door and makes me have to do it because otherwise work can expand to fill the time. And I also need something else. What is it about about horses that makes it that really good, resilient, boosting interest? I can't think about school while I'm trying to okay. ride. That's okay. it. it it's, it's completely different and it's, it's real levelling. You know, I, I will... I will ride with people 20 years older than me and 20 years younger than me, and it's completely level. I meet loads of different people. You're chatting away, having conversations, which are totally non-school based. Um, and it's completely all-encompassing. When you're riding, you really cannot be thinking about that year eight child that told you to go forward <laughs> and what you're going to do about it. It's, it's not the time. You have to concentrate no. on what you're doing or you'll be eating sand. So, yeah. you know, it's, 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 the, it's the distraction. It's the way it draws you in from the second you're there. And I think you just need to find something that you love that does that for you. I mean, for me, of course, it's exercise as well. The horse doesn't do all the work, by the way, everyone. The <laughs> it's, it's great 
exercise, it gets your heart pumping, the adrenaline flowing, it does all of that. And and for me, you know, it deeply soothes my soul to be anywhere near my horse. So, yeah, it's what you need. That soul soothing thing is is also quite interesting, isn't it? So there's there's the the there's there's the getting there to get him his dinner, and I, I know how demanding these animals can be. There is then the the concentration element when you're trying to um, organise yourself to do something as as challenging as navigate round a course of show jumps. Mm-hmm. But there's also that communication side, isn't there? And again, that idea about animals being really soothing I think is fascinating as well in boosting resilience I I think the very act of you know even just stroking an animal or grooming him as you you have to do before you get on you know all of that they're 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 deeply ritualistic and calming it by their very nature you cannot just buzz around a horse like you're doing your housework it's you know so I mean my mare used to get thoroughly antsy with me you know (laughs) (laughs) Oi, you stand still. Yes, yes. Yeah. And and that is is in and of itself. It's very calming. It's 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 physical as opposed to cerebral. Although I still have lessons and I love learning new stuff, but I'm learning physical stuff, and I think that is a huge part of it as well. You know, I'm swapping roles there. And that's great. So, you then take on the role of the learner. Yes. Yeah. And that. That is fascinating, actually, isn't it? As well, that 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 whole leveler and that that you being a learner. Yeah, yeah, which actually helps me hugely with with kids the next day. Actually, as, as we know, if I come across a frustration where I don't seem to quite get it, how did my instructor help me with that? How can I help kids with that? You know, I think I think all of that helps hugely helps me in my job, um, but most of all keeps me absolutely sane. So the next day I go back in, I've still got the buzz from. You know, whatever we did the night before, and and I'm and I'm greeting the kids with, you know, a real happy face. I'm pleased to see them. So the children that you meet, you sometimes share a little bit about your your experiences, what you've been doing. <laughs> yeah, the cheeky watches. They all know if I'm covering a lesson, they're quick as a way to get ten minutes downtime is to ask me how my horse is. <laughs> And 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 I know one of the things is about the way you work in your school, Zoe. Is um, you're not someone that that is is anywhere in an ivory tower. You are continually walking the corridors and, and around and about, and you are very much there in the classroom and with the children. Yeah, well, yeah, that's because I find my office is quite a boring place to be. Really. <laughs> um, I forget the fidgets, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness well there, there are all manner of different topics that we could be covering here around around additional needs and support and teaching and learning strategies as well Zoe you are you are the, the gift as a guest um just thinking back around around resilience um and around any of those children that, that you work with and also your staff so either all children or staff what what is it that you think you can use from your own approach to resilience to encourage that in other people? That that kind of leading from the top as a head where you, you get them to do that approach. Because a lot of your children probably aren't going to go horse riding and a lot of your staff certainly aren't going to go horse riding. So what is it? What are the, what are the things that you do to use your experience, that, that very real resilience booster for you, to help them with their resilience 
so so one is is have your have your cutoff point whether that is your child doing their homework you know once they've done it for for the the 30 minutes they're meant to be doing it then then have the cutoff point don't drive yourself wild not being able to get something come back okay. with fresh eyes i would say that to, to members of staff as well i say that to them all the time do not be working till nine o'clock at night and then come in tired and grumpy the mm. next day that's not doing your kids any favors I'd say exactly the same to them. Find something that you love that distracts you. Physical, physical exercise. I'm no fitness freak, believe you me. In fact, my PE, <laughs> teacher, PE teachers would be shocked to hear that I do something that's strictly classified yeah. as sport on purpose. They, they would be stunned. But, but a bit, you know, even if it's just a walk, get outside, walk, breathe the air. So, so Zoe, you are, are really clear with your children that um, homework is very strictly time bound, that, yes. that this this should be a 30 minute task. Yes. If you don't get it in those 30 minutes, leave it. do leave your it. best, leave it. And then we'll we'll sort those misconceptions. We'll sort that learning that that itself. That knowing when enough is, is a huge resilience lesson for children, I think. Yes. Yeah, they, um, we can't have them winding themselves up over something that's not going to solve world peace by tomorrow. No. It's it, it's not right. It's not right for kids to be doing that. They need to do their bit, yeah, put their effort in. We all need a decent work ethic. But once it's mm. done, it's done, and then you move on. And if it's not done in that time, you still have to move on. You, ca yeah. you, can't, sit, you can't sit making yourself ill over it. You've you've given it your best, and that's yeah. that that's it now. And and move on. That's a really important, really important message to give to them and and to your teachers. So again, giving your doing your your scour of the the school at a certain point, and and encouraging them not to be hanging around there till they're easy. How how do they? How does that go down with them? Do you know they're used to it now? At first, I think they were completely weirded out by the fact that yeah. I used to go round at about sort of, you know, five to five and say, "I hope I'm, you're not going to still be here in five minutes." And I, I do. Mm. I throw them out, and I I don't do this workplace culture of who's the last person out the door. I think no. it's deeply damaging. If if a member of staff says that I could really go with do with going home to take delivery of a dishwasher, I promise I'll do some work this evening. Oh, I don't care so long as it's done. Mm. Go. Yeah. You know, some people prefer to work in the morning. We'll come in in the morning then. Um, I'm I do close I do close the school for school holidays though. Um, a little bit they're open in the summer, but other than that, I always have a decent time when the school is properly closed in school holidays. And I just say no, you're not coming in. You're not doing it. Now's not the time to be doing your displays. Go spend time with your families. So you're very much about encouraging building that resilience by proper rest. Yeah social connection and and physical activities yeah 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 all of those things it just it doesn't help anybody to have staff kids anybody just not able to function because they're so overwhelmed you know we all need to find ways of being able to make it through because life is tough i think life is much yes. harder for kids now than it yes. ever was for me when i was at school i think yes. school life is really really hard and um, yes. you have to be really you have to have these these mechanisms that mean that you can get through it that you can walk away at the end of the day and come back the next day and you are still sane 
<laughs> and that's right. Drive you out your tree. It's one of those jobs that's yeah. never done, right? And and so no. you you can't be the the person who's got to tick everything off on your list. I do remember someone saying once to me in their wisdom early in my headship saying, you should make a list of the three things you're going to do that day. I I think one of the things from my first day of headship would probably still be on that list 13 years later. Yes, <laughs> right? yeah, but what I do yeah. think, is take notice of the things that we've done. You know, people get to the end of the day and yeah. say, well, I haven't done anything all day. And I think, well, you've been running around like a blue-ass fly. You have yes. been doing stuff all day. Yeah. Um, and, and so I take note of what I have done, and I'm really careful about that. That's one of my strategies. You know, when, I, when I'm packing up at the end of the day and getting changed to, to go see my horse, I'm there going, right, so today this is what I have done. It, it yeah. might not have been on the to-do list, but I have done these things, and they were important. And again, the things you've done, I think that that reflecting that that's quite proven to be a really good boost of, of resilience to keep that habit of of reflecting of what you've done, what you've achieved and what what impact that has had, actually, is, yeah. is really, really positive. So yeah. that's yeah okay. So, so, so I intended to go and read the head teacher's report. I accidentally mm. ended up playing rounders with year six instead, but that okay. was very important. <laughs> okay. Well, well, if any of your governors happen to either be listening or pick this up on that, that podcast, I th I think that's really really important that that they maybe take this lesson of resilience as a, as a key piece of learning for the head teacher's report. Would you Would you agree? Yes, I do. A hundred percent. <laughs> and year six would have enjoyed it after the challenges of the reading paper and everything else yeah but again we didn't have kids going home in tears they knew it was right. hard yes but, but we didn't because we shouldn't be doing that to 10 year olds and again a really really important message and and again if i was was a parent of a year six child i would rather they came home feeling okay after the SAT, then they, they came home reporting that they were definitely going to get a greater depth across the board because that's a huge resilient message, resilience message, isn't it? And yeah. it doesn't surprise me that, that the children of, of Edward Peake weren't as distraught about the reading test. I think that's that's certainly something that should go on your achievements list. <laughs> Thank you. I was I was I was proud of them actually. They were they were really good. They just rolled their sleeves up, got on with it, and then got on with the rest of the day. I was well impressed with them. So there's some strong evidence there of, of building resilience in your, your children and young people at Edward Peak, which I think is a, a really great uh, message. And in terms of, of culture and that being delivered from the top, Zoe, I think that's such a powerful thing. Well, so congratulations and thank you. And thank you so much for joining us this evening on Teachers Talk Radio. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I will speak to you soon. Thank you. Thank you A huge. Thank you. Thank you, Zoe. A huge thanks there to to Zoe. A huge thanks. Oh, I'm really sorry. Here we go. Oh my goodness. Here we are. Our clinically approved, ready to go, well-being and mental health program will help your pupils thrive. In only 10 minutes a day, you'll be able to deliver social and emotional learning and well-being tools throughout your school. To find out more, visit us at www.happyconfident.com.
Thank you. Huge thank you to Zoe there for sharing some of her tips on resilience and talking about how she really leads a resilient school. And again, what comes from the top, what comes from Zoe as as head modelling some of her resilience toolkit and then is fed down into the, the teachers and the other staff at the school and then into the children. So huge thank you to Zoe for sharing that with us this evening. I'd love to hear from, from anybody else with any of their stories about resilience, anything else that they've got that they, they've noticed that makes them resilient. One last little shout if there is anything anyone would like to share. And again, I'd like to thank everybody who's, who's joined us in this evening um, in making ourselves in our talk about becoming more resilient. Last few resilience tips that come from me. So we've talked around a number of things and Zoe has beautifully spoken this evening about the importance of recognising your achievements, creating that list of what you've done, what you've achieved, but also having a really clear sense of what is good enough. That's enough. Park it. Leave it there. Go home. Go and enjoy that now. And I think in terms of resilience, I I, I really admire Zoe in that. And I think if Zoe models that to her, her other people as well that she works with, that's a huge strength. And then, then tie that in, of course, to having physical activity and, and a hobby that completely takes you away is really, really positive. Some other things that can boost our resilience, just a couple of last ones to, to finish before we, we end this evening's um, Teacher Talk Radio Twilight Show. Thinking about having goals. So we, we've talked about goals on Teachers Talk Radio. We've thought about that, first of all, what are you trying to achieve? What are, your, what are your goals? But sometimes when resilient people have goals, even when they see that crises are looking huge and crisis situations are daunting and, and a problem might seem insurmountable, resilient people are able to view those situations in a realistic way and then set goals to deal with that problem. So again, whatever it is that's in the way, can you step back, have a look at what the challenges are, think about, uh, brainstorm about possible solutions, and then make a plan to get through that. What are the things that resilient people do? Resilient people also don't just kick it around and just wait for a problem to go away. It's quite often when we wait for problems to go away, it just prolongs the crisis. Instead, resilient people have learned that it's important to try and start to resolve issues immediately. Don't let things fester. So there might not be a fast or simple solution, but you might be able to break it down, not eat the whole elephant in one go and break it down into little pieces that will make the situation better and make it less stressful. When you've done that, you can then also be able to actually celebrate those little bits of success that you've had along the way. Claire tells us, be vulnerable. Modelling that from senior staff. Yeah, nobody is superhuman just because of their job title. Help people see that it's okay to talk about well-being and resilience. Absolutely spot on. Zoe talked about the problems that can happen when somebody doesn't look after their well-being, talking out that and saying, look, I'm human. This could go wrong for me. This could be really, really difficult for me. And, it, and if it is, 
the impact of that could be great for all of us is important. Admitting you're human is great. And I think that's really, really important. And again, does mean, does take an enormous amount of bravery to admit that little bit of vulnerability. Finally, my final word, I think, on tips and how to build resilience and what to do is about keeping working on it. Because you might have this plan to be more resilient, all these great hopes, I'm going to think more positively, I'm going to look from different perspectives, I'm going to take up a new hobby, I'm going to get away from school on time, and I'm going to really try and, and put some time into physical activity and, and looking after myself. But I'm still getting really bogged down with stuff. I'm still not feeling that this is, is hitting and is really improving my resilience. So it would be easy for someone then to say, well, maybe I'm just not a resilient person. So there's two angles to that. First, do you need to seek a little bit of external support? Do you need to speak and, and reach a little bit more help for, for whatever it is that is causing you to have these difficulties and for your resilience not to be getting any better? Reach out, seek support. Talk to, talk to friends and family, talk to a medical professional, talk to somebody who leads on well-being in your school, talk to a, a colleague in your network who you trust, who will be able to listen and hold space for you. Do that. That's one thing that can be really, really helpful. But also, resilience might take time to build. If it's something that you really want to work on, don't get discouraged if you're still struggling to cope with problematic events. Everybody can learn to be resilient. Doesn't involve just one cookie cutter set of behaviours or actions. And, and what resilience looks like in one person might be really different to another. So avoid that comparisonitis. Just keep practising those skills and those characteristics of resilient people. And remember to build on your existing strengths because you are amazing before we even start. So thank you all. You have been a fantastic um, group of people to join us, whether you're some of the ones who are in the studio who are listening or some of the ones that I can see lurking under the on-air button. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be here tonight. Thank you very much to those who have sent in comments and a huge thank you to Zoe, who's joined us on the show this evening. Thank you very much. Tonight, I've been Maxine. It's been the Twilight Show on Friday, the 19th of May. We've been talking resilience. Good night. This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News. No. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at TT Radio. This program has... Can I thank everybody for your kindness with my complete ineptiness, ineptitude with the jingles. I'm going to demonstrate resilience and I'm going to be, be vulnerable and I'm going to admit my mistakes. Thank you once again. You have been fantastic. Here we go. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. 
We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.